and welcome back to the Angel Investors Access Show. On this series, we talk to startups, angel investors, VC firms, mentors, coaches, and stakeholders that play a part in the Australian entrepreneurial ecosystem. Proudly brought to you by C2 Angels, helping build a community of like-minded, aspiring angel investors right across Australia and beyond. Have you booked your angel opportunity investment discovery session yet? If not, what are you waiting for? Become an angel investor today and visit c2angels.com. And now let's head to the next episode and join me with our special guest. Well, welcome back everyone to another episode of Angel Investors Access with your host, Brandon Burns from c2angels.com. Now I'm excited for today's guest because she's a founder, an entrepreneur, an investor, and a real key stakeholder in Australia's entrepreneurial ecosystem. It's managing partner at Reach, ANZ, and ASEAN, and she's expanding a top prop tech scale-up accelerator to Asia Pack at Shelley Trung. How are you? I'm very, very well in this uh, sort of uh, lockdown in Melbourne, as good as it gets in terms of the spring weather, I think. I know, you and me both, but it's nice to see some warmer weather on its way. Yes, it is very, very nice to see the birds chirping outside, having a lot of fun, and you are not being able to enjoy it for more than two hours a day. So hopefully we'll get out of this lockdown very, very soon and we can uh, sort of start travelling a little bit more. I know, I know. So tell me, Shelley, one thing we love to do at the start of our show is really paint a picture for our listener who's driving or on the treadmill and get a deeper understanding of what does a typical day in the life of Shelley Trung look like? Gosh, there really isn't a typical day. Um, so, look, as a managing partner for Reach Australia, um, I focus on scale-ups, you know, and what does that mean? That's really Series A, Series B companies, you know, companies that are, you know, already had traction in the market, you know. Um, and right now, today, uh, we we are actually recruiting for applications, you know. So, we're actually opening applications tomorrow. We're getting that ready. Um, so, my typical day for the next month is really just, you know, learning about new companies um you know making trying to assess how i can help them you know effectively whether our program is the right program for them if they're actually uh the right company for us um because i think you know with a a a investment relationship it is much like a, a marriage and trying to do that um you know over sort of a virtual environment um comes with some you know great great sort of uh opportunities but also obviously challenges um so a typical day for me right now is really looking at a lot of assessments talking to a lot of amazing founders who are doing really, really cool stuff, you know, um, really, you know, I do like bright, like uh, new, new shiny objects, I like to say. Um, and so as a result, uh, you know, I, I do like this sort of phase of uh, looking for new companies, looking for our next set of six investments, six to eight investments we take yearly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, otherwise, actually through nine months of the year, I'm running the Accelerator program, um, which is, again, a scale-up program. It focuses on companies that are ready to do 10x their current revenue when they come come into the program. So uh, it's a nine-month program, um, and every day of that sort of nine months when we have that that program live, we are helping our six to eight companies uh, grow rapidly in the marketplace, in the real estate marketplace specifically. Um, So... That's introductions to investors, introductions to uh, real estate industry for pilots, for mentoring. Uh, it is all about that front end for us um, being a scale-up program. So, it, it, you know, that sort of adopts a lot of my sales and marketing expertise over the year, as over the years and, and corporate innovation as well. I sort of spent 10 years um, in my previous life 
uh, in sort of a change management, which is not as sexy as sounding as uh, you know, innovation now. Innovation's way more sexier words. So I'm gonna use that from now on. But yeah, I sort of spent 10 years in corporate innovation. So helping these companies navigate a lot of these, these sort of sales cycles, if you like. Yeah, excellent. Um, so whoever's, whoever's working alongside you as a startup is getting access to such a wealth of knowledge, but also someone who's worn all the different hats. And I think that's really cool to hear, Shelley, because hearing that you've, you've participated in this ecosystem from all the different, um, the different roles is, is crucial. And especially in an environment like Australia, that's not without its challenges. And so, you know, <laughs> as you would well know, so, I mean, you've got an international career and network, so obviously you've got significant advantages and ways in which you can, you can make things happen. What I'd love to hear from you is, when you've traversed over into that role as investor and conducting due diligence and really trying to unlock and understand what those opportunities for this year are to invest in, as an example, how have you gotten better at sharpening the saw and getting to a yes or no decision quicker and more effectively? Because a lot of people listening are considering writing their first check and it can be quite overwhelming, not wanting to miss out on the best opportunity, but really understanding properly how to assess a founder and an opportunity and i'm sure it can be a very time consuming process one you've mastered i'm sure but let's have an insight into how you've gotten better and better yeah yeah that's a really good question um look just going back to your initial statement um i have been what i i like to call a career chameleon um, you know, I started off, uh, you know, studying uh, med science, you know, and that's obviously a very obvious path, straight direct path to venture capital, right? Like it's, it's, it's not a, it's a non-linear path, you know, and, and, and as I mentioned, sort of you know, spent 10 years in corporate innovation, you know, so I was the gatekeeper for a lot of this technology. And I wasn't, again, I wasn't expecting to get into venture capital. That was sort of just, a, again, the dots, you know, the, the dots in the lines of your career. Um, and then obviously, you know, I'm buying a lot of real estate as well. So hence why the love for prop tech and technology um, and understanding that corporate aspect. Um, but again, with that scientific training, I think I'm quite analytical. I'm quite um, numbers driven. I'm quite like test it, try it. Let's see if it works and then improve on it, you know, um, come up with a new theory, improve on it. And so that's sort of just the way my brain works anyway. Um, and then, you know, eventually, um, you know, being a founder, so taking that journey as well, you know, having a lot of empathy for how difficult that process was. And, uh, you know, for me, I was a solo founder. So I think those are the, the really, really crazy people, you know, who really are just going to go venture out themselves. And I ventured out um, in the US for that, you know, I not only did I start my own company, but I started it in the US where I had no network. Um, and so, you know, a couple of these were sort of, uh, you know, sort of adventurous challenges, uh, perhaps a bit of naivety as well. Um, and so, you know, uh, and then sort of uh, that, you know, sort of three years into it, I actually sold my company um, and, you know, going through an exit myself. And then, um, you know, and then through that process, you know, wanted to give back and start angel investing. Um, and so, and angel investing, frankly, just mentoring for free. You know, I was doing that pro bono for six to nine months. You know, I just wanted to give back because I know for a fact that nobody ever really like gets there on their own. Um, you know, you, you are sort of, you know, it, 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 they say the, the way you change, you know, over a year, the difference between you a year, you know, from, uh, from now and a year beforehand is really that the books you read and the people you meet. And I think that's part and parcel for how accelerators are meant to work. 
Um, and so, you know, the way I'm sort of backtracking is that I have been open to wearing multiple hats and how that skill set has helped me assess a startup. You know, um, I've been able to draw on the fact that I'm quite analytical. You know, I will tend to, I'm just curious by nature, you know, um, and so quite analytical, asking a lot of questions, not afraid to ask questions, you know, and frankly, not not afraid to perhaps uh, challenge the unknown, you know, testing something and figuring it out, you know, and getting an answer and reiterating, you know, not expecting it to be perfect from the get-go, um, you know, and going through that process um, and then, you know, that corporate innovation, you know, will this product work with someone who was like me, a gatekeeper you know will this you know if you want to deploy to b2b environment i mean b2c i feel like most of us kind of get the b2c process to some level but i think a lot of people really you know particularly early founders um they they might not have ever worked for a corporate you know never had to go through a gatekeeper um, and so i had to do that uh, myself you know as the founder and then you know 10 years in corporate before that so i know what it's like to to deploy technology that's important imperfect and frankly to the masses you know i worked for public transport one of my roles um, so in terms of people being quite demanding um i tell you commuters every day uh if you interrupt their their sort of journey to work you will certainly hear about it um and so this is sort of one of the the great um grounds if you like the background i had um so again when i'm looking at you know when i'm looking at um companies when i'm assessing companies i'm looking at these key things like can they actually speak corporate can they actually speak um you know in a way that understands the fact that you know what, if you want to sell to a corporate, there's a whole bunch of risks that you have to mitigate. You know, that person on the other end is potentially thinking about, am I going to lose my job by taking this risk? You know, so these are the things that we look at, you know, communication skills we look at, you know, um, in terms of will this company be able to actually sell, you know? And if it's not that founder, well, can they bring in that person? Can they train that person? Can they really, you know, build a big team and build a big company, you know, but at least be self-conscious and aware of these risks. Um, so again, you know, that's how I've sort of, again, improved, like I had some of these basic skill sets already. And again, you know, having exited myself, you know, um, I think Australian companies are very good at building and, and there's just not a lot of capital around. And, and, you know, I know you guys are working on fixing this process, but I still think, you know, it, it is very much a, a problem here you know and so getting companies to understand revenue first is really a great thing you know I think it's actually build stronger companies out here um, yes we don't have a lot of capital but I also think we have very strong companies and very strong founders out here as a result if you're choosing to do it with a lot, le lot less of access to capital um, and so these are things that I think in my background I already had when I, I, spoke, I speak to founders you know the, these are sort of you know, areas I'm aware of consciously. So I think, you know, the main thing for the, the audience is like whatever background you have, it will come in handy. You know, it will certainly, it's surprising how it comes in handy. Um, when I was sort of spending my six months uh, helping companies, I... I really didn't know how much value I could provide. Like I was just helping out, you know? And then the reason I started angel investing was because I sent introductions. I helped improve things and I saw tangible results. And then I'm like, crap, I'm doing this for free and I've got no upside, you know? And that's how I actually fell into angel investing. You know, I started writing checks because I could see I was actually you know, providing some value, you know, from my content, from my, you know, coaching, from my network as well, you know. Um, so 
that's where I think I fell into it. And then for me, the improvement over time in terms of assessments is, look, I don't actually count a lot of the numbers of how many companies I've exited, um, you know, and, and you know, out of the, the you know, last portfolio uh, CEA I managed, uh, you know, there was about 35 investments that we made when I left after about 18 months. Um, out of those, one exited, a few of them have raised, you know, additional rounds, including accelerator companies. Um, but I actually have been really, really good at picking companies that I know are going to be dead in six months time um you know i have i, I i've been told by several colleagues um and, and i'll actually verbally say this within obviously a confidential environment i'm like they're going to be dead in three months time they're going to be dead in six months time and i'm pretty spot on with that now um and i've been really good at avoiding investments um and that i think is 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 an important skill set to start off with, you know. Um, but, you know, for anyone starting off, I think you need to look at angel investing as, look, you pay for an MBA, you pay for a university degree, you know. Um, expect to perhaps not get it right in the first few checks, you know. That's okay, yeah. you know. Um, it, 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 you know, again, it's, 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 it's money for learning, you know, working with the founder, you know, you are not, you, you might have some great expertise already. Um, you may not, and that's okay. You know, um, you are going to bring in something unique. And the main point is to see how you can help, you know, because we certainly do need, you know, more help for the sector. Um, but, you know, you pay for you, you, like yearly holidays. How much do we don't think about it, you know, and we just spend it, you know, 10K, 20K, you know, but when we're writing a check for that startup founder, you know, 20k 50k we hesitate and we hesitate and we hesitate and we do so much dd and we get lost in the dd you know um, i know angel investors out here are just so risk adverse around that um, i think you just need to look at it as like i'm going to spend a, a couple of years on a degree you know um, and this is you know and and if it doesn't work out well you know that's okay if it works out great well amazing you could be getting a 10x a 20x you know a 30x a 100x you know um but i think that's that's perhaps you know you know i know for me when i venture out to you know when i started buying real estate in the states um i knew i was gonna make some mistakes you know i got really lucky um and i think i got really lucky on a few occasions um but i was very much willing to go you know what if worst case scenario if this 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 goes down and i don't figure it out you know i, I it's a learning exercise um and and to figure out if i enjoy it is that because you so, read dad poor dad <laughs> yeah yeah it's well yeah i have read rich dad poor dad um you know and, and again you know um making sure you you just wear multiple hats you know and and have other yeah. sort of classes working um but yeah no I, I look i try to have a lot of fun as well you know like this is working with founders is a look their energy is always just amazing you know um, I think you, you get a lot of energy from from that, you know, and I think a lot of people don't don't count that as a positive, and, you know, right now we certainly need a lot more positive energy. Um, and so, you know, I think, you know, people just need to get started, you know, um, perhaps learn how to avoid the bad ones first, uh, just get started, you know, maybe write small, smaller checks if you're not comfortable, you know, um, and just try and you know, give some value, you know, I think it, it all comes back anyway. Um, and even if they don't work out, you know, there's a, there's so much learning from, from the companies that don't work out. Um, there is a heck of a lot of learning from that. And you will take that expertise to your next deal. 
Um, and, and, you know, I'm still certainly, you know, I've been investing for seven years. I'm certainly still learning, you know, um, from our first cohort to our next cohort recruitment and, and DD process. Um, I'm certainly, I'm, I'm lacking a lot. Uh, I've got a lot less patience than I did when I got started. Um, and I've got, a, I, it's funny, the criterias are the same, but the weight of the criterias are quite different now. Yep. You know, um, I, I weigh things like, for example, I, I don't really care so much about solar founders, you know, co-founders. I mean, we're, we're at a stage where we're a series A, series B, so it's not a big deal anyway um, in terms of just, you know, ranking. But like the ability for that founder to sell is much higher on my list now, you know, um, I, communicate and sell. I just yeah. want to lean on this point for a minute because this is so cool. So. One thing for everyone listening is how refreshing and really cool to hear that we've got an investor on the line who traverses across real estate and angel investing. I mean, that's, that's almost a first for us, but also a really good validation that proves that both can be uh, fruitful. The second thing you've just said there, which is so critical because I, I did ask you that question around how do you assess that founder? And you said over time, you've become more inclined to consider and entertain founders who can sell. I wonder if you can expand upon that ability and talk to me about it also with founders who can sell but weren't necessarily natural sales people and how developing that skill has really helped them in their fundraising efforts and, and attracting the attention of angels like you. So look, when I say sales, I'm not talking about uh, people going, you know, with the suit and, and sort of, you know, bravado, you know, um, I think Australians really, you know, and particularly at, at the current stage of like just so many role commissions going on, I think we are looking for genuine people end of the day, you know, genuine people who actually want to serve their market and solve a problem, you know. So if you don't have that bravado, don't don't be that person, you know. Like I think genuineness is actually the most important skill set. You know, being able to listen is actually the most important skill set. Don't keep selling to someone who is obviously indicating that they're not here, they don't want to be sold to. You know, like most Australians actually, most people don't want to be sold to, you know, you can get away with sort of pitching a lot more aggressively in the States, but here it, it's certainly a slightly different sort of a tone. Um, so I think when I say sales skills, I perhaps really mean communication skills, you know, yeah. um, communication skills, you know, um, and, and that's not because it's not the ability to sell their product, but also to get the best talent on board when you need to hire that talent. You know, to, to, to really, uh, you know, so for example, um, when I tell you about my product, you might not be my target customer, but if I can't tell you, tell you what, I, what I have, uh, that the problem I solve, I can't share that with you and then you have you remember it and then one, remember it and then remember, you know, you um, and then they've gone away 10 minutes later and or, or two weeks later or three months later. You know, it doesn't really matter. And then someone's asked them like, oh, I've been looking for this thing. Like I've been having this problem and you're not remembered. They can't even understand what you said. And then they're not able to refer you. Right. And, and I think that's where, again, like founders get sort of so lost in their pitch about telling someone everything. Um, and they forget it all. Um, and this comes across with managing press as well. You know, every every single day, you know, communication skills are so important. And it's because it's not about that person you're speaking to right now. It's who that person knows. 
um, and, and that could be your potential investor, that could be your potential customer, um, that could be your potential next amazing hire, you know, co-founder, whatever that is, you know. And I, I think that's where, again, the communication skills and that sales skill and being able to distill ideas um, and, and make sure it's pointing to the right audience is actually quite important um, and being able to adjust that as well based on the audience. Um, so yeah, very, very important. It's important for any scaling company. And again, if you're a highly technical founder, um, that's great. You know, like I think that it's just, you know, being able to sort of communicate your ideas very simply to someone who is an investor who won't understand the technical knowledge, you know. Um, I think it's just distilling ideas because eventually you'll have to do it with your staff anyway, you know. Um, so, yeah, understanding that process. Um, that's a great point. What I'd love to understand is when someone approaches you or the groups that you work with for funding, what are the, some of the red flags or things that the money could potentially be spent on that you don't like to see? You know, everyone talks about, what they love to see someone asking for money to spend on and what it can do. What are those key things where you go, oh, hang on, that's really not a good use of, of uh, funds raised? Look, uh, a really obvious one is really high salaries, you know, yeah. really, really corporate salaries, you know. Um, you know, if they have the experience to justify it, then okay, that's fair enough, but it depends on how much revenue they're bringing in. You know, if you're taking a massive salary, uh, which the investors are paying for, um, and the re the revenue and the burn away is just mostly salaries, then you know, and and again, it doesn't look like you know that's going to start you know coming in soon. Then I, I will question that. You know, um, I've seen some really odd things in there, um, and it's a, an immediate turn off. You know, for me. Um, and so, you know, a couple of the other things is like a lack of diversity, you know, a lack of like just, you know, one of some of the sort of more recent statistics is that 40% um, of 45 or 46% of B2B decision making buying power, buying decisions are actually made by women now. That's almost like, so half the time now you're actually pitching in front of FEMA for an enterprise solution, right? And you have no females on your team. You know, at all, and and your target market might be females. You know, as well, like your customer might actually be females, um, and so you. Know, but but we're seeing this change in enterprise as well. So these are kind of a couple of key things that are I know sort of not bottom line revenue, but again, it's sort of spend. You know, spend that I'm like, hold on, there's gaps here. There's gaps here. There's risks here. Um, to me, it's all about risks, managing risks, um, and so. You know, those are the key things, um, you know, like, uh, look, again, we, we sort of focus on scale up series A, series B. So we tend to like to have a at least a balanced sort of upgrading technology and sales and marketing team. You know, if you're really early stage, obviously, you need to probably spend more time building up the technology. Um, so, again, it depends on the stage. Um, but for me, you know, it's certainly, you know, and, and I think that's generally speaking, a lot of uh, sales and marketing, so a lot of uh, investors in general, they are looking for that 10x, you know, and 10x means revenue, you know, you might need to sell to that customer, that, that investor, but once you get that investment capital, guess what, you have to 10x whatever capital you bring in, Correct. You know, at a minimum, at a minimum, that's how the numbers work, the, the journey doesn't earn, that doesn't end at you getting that investor, that journey just starts when you get that investor, you know, then you have to get it, get that 10x, you know. So in, in a lot of ways, I sort of like to see very robust bottom lines that are actually very revenue driven. 
um, so that, you know, you are mitigating having to constantly fundraise, you know, like your burn rate, your burn rate. Um, but, you know, a lot of that is, is, is around, you know, um, high, high travel costs, a lot of exhibit costs when you are so early, you know, you're spending so much on marketing. Um, and again, this is, you know, I run a sales and marketing team, you know, program, right? Um, but, you know, I feel like there's, there's a lot of really smart ways to do marketing, um, you know, quite without spending a lot of money, you know, um, we run an event-based program as well. And so this is, you know, but I, I'm seeing very early companies spend a lot of money on conferences, conferences they have to pay for, booth spaces they have to pay for, and they're, 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 they don't have a sales and marketing team ready to convert those, yeah. you know, so sort of silly spending, you know, because um, that's travel, that, that's buying booths, that, that's, that, that, that's salaries going out of the desk, you know, because that's, that's also all up as a cost, you know, your salaries, your people away from your desk, you know, because that, that again is not counted. Like a lot of people think of the, the fee they pay for the exhibit, but then don't think, oh my God, I've got three people out at the desk, you know, out away from their desk, you know. So that all has to come with the cost. Doing a ton of media also comes with the cost because you have to prep you have to get it like there's not there's no point of doing a ton of media unless that is going to lead to a, a end result of customers um the wrong media as well potentially um and so a lot of this spend is where i, I will start going through line by line and going what's this what's this what's this what's this for board meetings you know um but generally speaking look at that those are tends to be the red flags um but the salaries are just a really really quick obvious one yeah absolutely this is this has been incredible. We're running out of your precious time, and, and so we're going to have for those listening and watching. We're going to hold Shelley to a part two uh, because she can talk forever, and it's such great content. Maybe what I'd ask you to outline for me here is um, so I've got time for two more questions before we've got to let Shelley go, unfortunately. But my my two remaining questions are: I'd love to hear an example, an Aussie founder or startup example that you love talking to as a real shining light for people who are maybe be considering becoming an angel and don't actually realise that they could have got in early on that particular business. And then secondly, right. I'd, I'd love to hear exactly how people can um, get in touch with you and your ventures and businesses to really collaborate and, uh, and, and, and participate. Yes. Well, look, perhaps not even too late still for angel investors, maybe a bit late. Um, anyway, uh, one of the companies out of our reach uh, first year's uh, portfolio is Ubi Park. Uh, Ubi Park is a parking solution. Uh, it's really a mobility solution. Now, this is a really classic one um, because, look, to be very transparent, um, when I brought that company in um, to the reach program, um, you know, they... <sighs> Let's just say uh, a lot of people ask me, why are you investing in a parking solution, you know? Um, and look, Moston will have no problem. Moston, who's the CEO, uh, you know, obviously I've learned to get to know him over 12 months. Uh, Moston will probably say he was, you know, you know, very much backing me up and saying, look, he was bad at pitching. Yeah. He was bad at all those things that I mentioned before. But I suppose I still saw something in, like I saw the numbers though. I saw the numbers. I got through the fact that he... He wasn't the best communicator, right? But I could see the numbers that the business was there, right? So in some ways, the angel investor needs to see that, right? And he was having a lot of trouble raising. He was having a lot of trouble converting customers. And again, if you ask him, he'll tell you all this. Actually, we're doing a lunchtime session on Friday on this. <laughs> and so it's actually a public lunch. And so, um, so yeah, so he's very much, you know, um, 
just couldn't get his pitch crystal clear. And, and so a lot of people missed out on that deal because they, they were very much seeing the surface. And, and again, with me digging and understanding the metrics and, you know, they have like, they have a very, very good business, you know, like it was, the margins were good, you know. Um, and again, like you could see the solution working really, really well based on the technology itself. Um, and so I could see that. And, and I also could see that he was actually very humble and very coachable. You know, those are sort of traits that we like coachability, again, one of the things that matter now, uh, coachability is certainly much higher on my criteria than it ever was before. Um, and it keeps, you know, sort of ranking up really high. Um, but, you know, it, it is the founder's job to figure out what to be coachable on and what to push back on, right? Like, I feel like you, you need to have that balance with the founder. But that's a really good example of like one that I think a lot of people would have missed and a lot of people turned away um and we got them into the reach program you know we did a little bit of work you know really just focusing on cleaning up their their uh their, their pitch you know the way they presented themselves um their key selling points you know like just narrowing it down you know and and you know again like his first pitch for us live pitch he actually forgot his pitch halfway you know this is again like you know I love Austin, but like he forgot his pitch on the first like this is a 60 second pitch you know he forgot and again a lot of the feedback was like why are you investing in a parking solution because that's all people saw right whereas I saw much more than that and so fast forward you know nine months on he is he, he's he's you know he's finalized his deal with Porsche um, he's gotten his Apple certificate. Um, you know, he's, he's, I mean, I can't tell you about some of the other pilots he's got, but he's rolling out to 50 sites in the States, uh, rolling out to Malaysia, uh, two major pilots in Australia, big, big sort of commercial real estate groups are rolling out to a lot of office buildings that I want to, you know, eventually out of lockdown, moving those guys back into the office safely. You know, that's what his technology does. Um, and so, you know, we've really seen him grow massively through the program. Um, there's going to be more news about him, um, he, he, you know, and, and I'm going to let him really share that that journey um, himself. You know, feel free to follow Ubi Park, um, you know, the recent Porsche announcement. But you know, there's a lot of huge things coming out announcement wise from them. But that's that's one that was like, look, guys, this was a great Melbourne company you missed, you know. Um, we're, we're leading it and we're, we're looking to do a lot more than just uh, getting into the reach program now um, on a global level. Um, and, and to be honest, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't hard work. It was just work, you know, and, and, and Master, Moston, their team have been just amazing on executing, you know, I mean, credit to them, you know, it, it, they, they, they got onto the program, they converted our leads, they, they cleaned up their deck they were present the entire time, you know, and, and they jumped onto training sessions, you know, um, they would book in my calendar before everybody else. They would jump onto questions before everybody else, you know. So again, I'm sort of, you know, going into a lot of detail now, um, but yeah, they're sort of a really good example of ones that like, we just, you know, needed a little bit more filtering initially. Well, Shelly Trung, you've been completely amazing and we're going to have to do a part two because there's just so much still to talk about. So, <laughs> For everyone watching and listening, we're going to make it happen. I'll work hard with Shelly to find another time so we can bring you that part too because this is just gold. Um, Shelly, anything else to add before we wrap this this part one of the journey? 
Yeah. So um, look for us. Uh, there's a couple of things I'd, I'd love to, you know, perhaps, um, you know, sort of invite the audience to, to engage with me on. One, we are opening applications uh, or, we, you know, opening 15th of October, really, uh, for me. And so we are looking for great companies that are looking to access the real estate industry. Um, that could be marketing technology, that could be legal technology, that could be technology that hasn't even considered, you know, selling to the real estate industry. Uh, it's a real estate industry accelerator. Um, so we, we want to encourage dialogue with sort of uh, any startup companies. Um, if you're invested in these companies, you know, feel free to send them our way. Um, but on top of that also, uh, any other investors who have real estate assets, you know, that want to actually improve what they're doing. You know, we're a 20-person VC team globally. We see thousands of PropTech deals every day. You know, it's what we do full time. You know, um, if you've got real estate assets that you want to improve, you know, um, we are we sort of see ourselves as sort of a you know a conduit to help interpret some of these because you might not have, you know, even one person on your team looking at the technology the way we we look at it every day. So it, just inviting some dialogue, you know, um, come help mentor. You know, come help mentor our companies. Um, you know, if you can provide some, you know, these guys might not have any real estate experience whatsoever. So this is where I think it, it's very helpful to have the real estate sector be part of it and so best url uh, destination they can check out oh yeah of course the most important thing uh so narreach.com forward slash australia is the australia sort of page um but obviously the full program you can have a look at that program um my linkedin as well there's only one shelly trong um so you know shelly with an i s h e l l i t r u n g uh feel free to look me up on linkedin as well um add me you know say hello uh yeah, let me know you, you listen to this um then i've got some context as well um and and come say hello we're, we're actually a very collaborative group so you know happy to to hear from everyone Shelly, you've been a superstar. Thank you for being on our show and looking forward to doing part two very soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Brandon. And that's all we have time for today on the Angel Investors Access Show, your series with Brandon Burns from C2 Angels. If you're thinking about becoming an angel investor and you don't know where to start, then you know exactly where to head, c2angels.com, and book your angel investment opportunity discovery session now. Until next time, I'm Brandon Burns, and I'll catch you later.